You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey, brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking tribe. Tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, uh, senior contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Farm Report podcast. Another week of talking prospects. The weather's warming up. It's supposed to be beautiful weather this week. If you haven't been out to a minor league game yet this year, you should uh, make it a priority to do so. While this weather is ne- finally starting to warm up, I got a bunch of teams. I know the Rubber Ducks are at home all- this week and through Wednesday. Um, I don't know what's going on with the captains, but uh, I don't have their schedule right in front of me. But uh, if they're home, they should you should definitely check them out, and uh, especially with and then of course the Indians they got a couple more games coming up against the Marlins that hopefully they should uh, sweep them pretty easily. But you know you never know <laughs> in baseball. But yeah, just like I I just just like they should have finished that ninth inning pretty easily the other night. But we won't discuss that. That's another podcast to do. Yes, and let's just say that I stayed up until 11.30 to watch that game, knowing I had to be up at 5.30 a.m. the next day, and I was sorely disappointed. Let's just leave it at that. That's your dedication. I give you I give you the uh, credit there. That, that What happened last night on Sunday was um, indescribable in some ways, and in other ways it was kind of – the low point that a lot of fans were fearing at the beginning of the season that could happen with some of these games. Right. So, uh, anyway, well, I'm sure Justin and I will get into that in some more detail in the upcoming uh, Smoke Signals podcast later this week. But we're here to talk prospects. Much more happier subject. And we are excited to talk about some uh, history being made this week. Uh, but first, uh, I didn't even introduce my co-host, Corey Christen. Corey, how's it going? You know what? The holiday is wrapped up. Uh, it, it, happy Easter to those that celebrated it. Happy belated Easter, I should say. Hope you got to spend it with yours on behalf of Jake, on behalf of the IVI family. We wish you a happy holiday and just kind of getting back to that grind after uh, copious amounts of you know ham and potatoes and chocolate and uh, family and friends. It was a busy day, busy holiday, but a well, uh, well-spent holiday, I would say. So it's good to be back in the grind baseball talk and our first topic is a no-brainer on what happened with this week with the indians minor league system jake he's been the talk of pretty much all minor league baseball this week yeah i mean uh our uh first we got to give some props to our man uh ch- chief editor here at ibi justin lotta who uh his video made the rounds on uh both local and national level. I think he was on uh, MLB Network, uh, the local stations here in Cleveland, and I think ESPN may have even uh, shown his uh, video of Will Benson hitting his fourth home run in the game on Thursday, the 18th, for the captains. That's right, Benson went uh, went deep four times and 
he's just been tattooing the ball so far this season. I mean, we talked about him last week and how good of a start he's been off to, and it didn't. It just kind of culminated itself uh, in that one game last week where he's couldn't be stopped. I mean, four for five, uh, the four home runs, eight RBIs. I think one of the home runs was a grand slam. And he drove, he scored the four runs, obviously. He walked once, he didn't walk at all, but he struck out once. But otherwise, he was hitting the ball out of the park. So um, now you look at his season, he's batting 340. He's got six home runs, 16 RBIs, uh, seven walks versus 21 strikeouts. So he's still getting on base a fair amount, even though he is striking out as well. But it's. Like I said, based on how it all kind of came to an apex on last Thursday, it's just the uh, the pinnacle of what he's been doing uh, all season long, hitting for power while still being able to hit for average, get on base a little bit. It's really uh, been a fine April for Will Benson so far. Well, it's not even just hitting for a high average. He's just hitting for average, period. I mean, last year... Uh, or rather, in his career, he hit two. He's hit two hundred nine in his career. So he's not exactly been a contact guy. He's been more of an all or nothing swinging player. And now, when you look at his first thirteen games, he has a hit in all but three of them. You probably couldn't say that last year. I don't have the exact twenty seventeen login or twenty eighteen log in front of me, but um, I would say that the majority of his games, you know, or at least early on, were without any hits and. You know, when I think about Will Benson and what the thought process was behind him at the beginning of the season, it was that he had to start to just make contact. And he still has a high batting average on balls in play. When he puts the ball in play, he, he's finding good spots in the defense. He's finding base hits. He's hitting in the gaps. He's hitting singles in front of outfielders. He's doing all of that stuff. He doesn't hit the ball on the ground often, which for a guy his stature shouldn't. So that checks out. It also checks out he, that he's a home run threat with his stature, six five two twenty five. It checks out. He's hit, uh, he, he's hit six home runs this season already. He's got forty four in a span of three years. So yeah, he's a home run threat without a question. But the main thought behind Will Benson was when is he going to show the ability to shorten swings, to take more pitches, to 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 extend the zone, to find ways to make uh, to net singles and then steal bases and use that speed instead of just trying to hit a double off the bat. So I know it's only 13 games and we'll continue to talk sample sizes throughout, you know, the first part of the season here, but you know, given that he hasn't had many hitless games, given that he has quite a few multi-hit games in all honesty, uh, when I look at it, I believe four of them are multi-hit games so far. So more multi-hit than hitless games should be a good indicator of what Will Benson has done so far this season, and that's a product of what he's done in the offseason. I'm assuming working in Arizona and working on his own time, at, at, you know, wherever he chooses to train, and it's paid off so far. So he adds so much more of a dynamic in that captain's lineup, and I don't know, Jake, if he's working towards a promotion some point in this season, and I don't think he's going to hit four home runs a game. He certainly probably won't, but – at the, at the same time, if he continues these traits of making contact, shortening swings, finding singles, using the speed, you know, instead of just legging out doubles, he's actually legging out singles and then working to steal bases. He's he's stolen four bags so far this year, and he hasn't been caught yet. And his 
and his steal his stolen base rate's been pretty good so far in his career. So I I think Benson, the complete package is what the Indians have been looking for. And this is more of that and less of the boomer bus player that we saw last year. Yeah, and that's this is what I and gravitating towards and looking at at him and what he's been doing so far and there there's there's some reason for skepticism you mentioned the high uh batting average on balls in play you would suspect that uh that kind of number as i pulled up here uh on fan graphs you would expect that that kind of number would even out at some point and level off and he would start to see some of that come back and work against him as uh BABIP numbers tend to do. I mean, right now, he's got an even 500 BABIP right now. That is astronomical. Yeah. So, you've got to imagine that that's going to come back. And, and it was lower last Earth. week when we were talking about him. It was even right. lower. It was at like 340 last week. So, I mean, the home run, the four home run game helps. But, at the same time, it's it's nearly impossible for anybody to start out with a 500 batting average on balls in play. That is astronomical. Yeah, and this is where it's going to be interesting for me to watch Will Benson moving forward because once we start to get into May, June, July, get past the All-Star break, what is that leveling off point going to look like? And and what's he going to look like when things start coming back to earth for him a little bit? Is he going to take – if he's made these kind of adjustments in the off season to a swing and figured out a way to shorten things up and use the whole – try to use the whole field more, not try to hit the ball out of the park as much um, on every swing. Uh, if that, if these changes have happened, when those uh, struggles start to inevitably come back into the picture again, and they will, especially for a guy with a bad up as high as he has right now, uh, what's his adjustment period going to look like? How is he going to handle that, uh, that, that rough stretch of uh, at-bats that he's likely going to have at some point. That's where we're going to start seeing what kind of uh, adjustments and what kind of developmental progress Will Benson has made here in 2019. And I think, you know, it's great to see him hitting the ball so well right now. The four-home run game, uh, captain's uh, franchise record, that's fantastic. But what's it going to look like when things start going not so good for him in the uh, in the not too distant future? I think that that's where the we we're gonna have to start focusing on when we start talking about Will Benson in the future, and that's why it's gonna be interesting for me to watch, keep an eye on him moving forward as we head into the uh, 2019 campaign, and those sample sizes get larger, and things should start to even out a little more. Yeah, sample size is a big thing here, I think. And if he can find that consistency into the hotter months of the summer, then who knows what his, not only his final line can look like, but who knows what the organization, what the mindset around him would be like from their perspective. I wonder if they think of him as that, okay, that first-round talent that we were really looking for, them being the Indians and we being the Indians, of course. When I look at Benson, he's what I respect about him is that he's always been a high-volume swinger. He's always swung the bat. He, he he will not leave the bat on the shoulder and take a called third strike. Um, if you look at his strikeout-to-walk numbers, it's 3-1 to one right now, which which is somewhat on par for what his career numbers are. Um, a little a little above 2-1 to one in the strikeout-to-walk rate. So that's not concerning me at all. The fact that he's... 
I feel like 21 strikeouts through 13 games is not bad in relative terms, speaking to, what was it, 152 in 123 games last year. It's about relative. So the fact that he's just making more contact, you know, think if he wasn't making this kind of contact and having a 426 on base and a 340 average right now, he might have 40 strikeouts by now. And I mean that sincerely. Thankfully, he, he's found the he's found the batter's eye. He's found ways to make contact. He's found ways to put the bat on the baseball, whether it is a four home run game or if it's a multi-hit game with a couple of singles. I think he's starting to find that swing and find a more consistent approach at the plate so that it's not as boom or bust as it used to be. Right, and uh, the strike, the high strikeout total is something to kind of raise an eyebrow at too, because he's, you know, he's drawn some walks, he's getting on base, but the strikeout total is still pretty high. So that's something that, like I said, when that leveling off point happens, what's that strikeout total going to do to him? The high strikeout rate going to do to him? Because right now he's striking out at an even higher rate than he was in 2018. 2018, he struck out at thir- an even 30% of his at-bats. Last, so far this year, he's striking out at uh, 38.9%. So he's striking out uh, almost 40% of the time, despite his high average his high, and his uh, decent walk rate and, the, and his ability to get on base. So uh, that's something that to keep in mind, too, when you know, things start to cool down for him at the plate. I wonder what does happen when he cools down. And I wonder what happens when he starts to slump. I wonder what his mindset is. I, I wonder what his mentality shift is going to be. If he's going to be able to pick up quicker rather than later. I feel like Benson is talented enough to do that. And now I think his confidence is built, not just because of a four home run game, but because of a start like this. His confidence is slowly starting to build up to where if something drastic does happen for the negative, then he'll have the ability to pick it back up because he's done it before. He, he's He's been out to prove and he's been out to show that he can do this. And um, I think the perspective on Benson, and at least in my eyes, probably yours too, and the other, uh, the other people that follow prospects closely, including those that listen to this podcast, I'm sure that the, the thought around Will Benson and the attitude towards Will Benson has changed substantially. Yeah, and hope and hopefully uh, things start to look up for the better because you know we were talking before the season started about Will Benson possibly teetering on uh, that prospect precipice, even though he's still very young and still early on in his development. You know, we we were talking about him kind of in the same breath as the Juan Hillmans and uh, Brady Akins of the world and Quentin Holmes. Uh, types guys who top who are top round picks who haven't quite panned out yet despite multiple years in the system but uh you know it's still too early to give up on Will Benson obviously at his age and at this stage in his development but it's it is great to see him start to turn things around and hopefully turn those attitudes around like you said so uh what do you say we talk about uh a couple of relievers right now and uh, I'm not. I'm actually not going to mention the name James Karinchak, although he has two more scoreless appearances under his belt and still has yet to allow a hit in seven appearances. Just saying. Future and, Indian, future Indian James Karinchak. Yes. And now let's talk about another uh, soon-to-be future Indian, at least in a lot of people's minds, who just made his uh, season debut with the Akron Rubber Ducks, and. Uh, it's pitched pretty well in his first appearance. 
course, I'm talking about the sidearm, uh, a second-round pick from last year's draft, Nick Sandlin, who was held back in spring training a little longer. I don't know if it was an injury issue uh, per se, but uh, they kept him in extended spring training a little longer. And uh, But now he's back in affiliated ball, picking up where he left off in Akron last year. Uh, his lone appearance so far came back on Saturday against Bowie. Uh, he pitched an inning, didn't allow a hit or a run, walked one, and struck out two. So uh, now that Salem's back in pitching, and we can start we can start talking about picking up where he left off last year and on his fast track to the majors because you know we spent the fir- most of the first uh, month of the season so far talking about James Karinchak and how he could be on the fast track to Cleveland. But now that Nick Salem's back on the Back on the uh, uh, prospect uh, depth chart again, and back on and back on the hunt for uh, that uh, major league starting job, uh, or that major league bullpen job in Cleveland. Uh, what are we looking at now with him? Uh, obviously, you can't take away much of anything from one appearance, but based on his trajectory from last year, moving into this year, what do we see from him moving forward? I I, I think the Indians are just putting him right back on that path. You know, injury aside. This is still a guy who can change arm slots on you, who can locate a, a really solid fastball at mid-90s, you know, about 94. Um, his off-speed pitches are pretty good. Spin rate on the on the curveballs are excellent if you look at metrics. And this is the the, the similar Nick Sandley we saw last year, as you alluded to, Jake. I mean, one outing, granted, but, you know, two strikeouts out of the three outs recorded in that inning, and he walked the guy. So not – not a bad outing by any means to start the season. And this is a guy who last year rose through four levels. He's played, he played baseball on four levels, including the Arizona league in his draft year, 2018, right after being drafted out of Southern Miss in the second round. This is a guy who the Indians, it's been no secret. And if we keep saying fast track, it's because it's true. The Indians really want Nick Sandlin to be fast tracked up to Cleveland. And the same sentiment we've talked about James Karachak with to a degree uh, granted, drafted a year before Nick Sandlin was, and they're both still in Akron right now. That's a scary hell of a bullpen right there with oh, man. at least those two in it. Uh, get the get the rubber ducks Siri in, in there too. Yeah, get the rubber ducks to lead in the seventh inning, and good luck. Um, but I look at Nick Sandlin, and I look at a guy who can just find different ways to get different batters out. I feel like even if you faced him before as a hitter, you're not going to see the same thing twice. It's really hard to find film on a guy who can go with a, a, a near sidearm, a three-quarter, and an overarm delivery and throw each pitch from each arm slot. It, it, effects, it effectively, if you just count fastball, change-up, curveball, or fastball, I have to look at the repertoire that he has, but point is, if you look at three pitches, any given pitches, times three arm slots, he's got nine pitches they could throw at you, and there's probably more than that. So... Sandlin was a dynamic reliever coming out of college for some of these reasons, and the Indians saw that in him and made him an early pick. That you know, some might have said it was a reach for him. I, I believe he was somewhere in the like uh, 160 range in the MLB pipeline, the National Prospect Rankers, when he was uh, being drafted last year. But the Indians took him in that second round. They took him relatively early, so they must have really liked what they saw, and they saw this ability for him to get right an affiliated ball, to get some games under his belt. I mean, last year in 25 games, 2-0, three-flat ERA, uh, 36 strikeouts to three walks, and that's coming off of a college year. So if he does that and puts that kind of workload in, 
what can he do this season with full health? And how quickly does he get to Cleveland? I'm, I'm, I got him on the same wave like this, James Karinczak. And I think that uh, even before we were talking about James Karinczak as being fast-tracked to the majors, which, you know, has been a lot on some people's minds for a while, people who follow the farm system closely, but, you know, based on his dominance early on this season, people have started to talk, including us, uh, have talked about him potentially being up in Cleveland uh, sooner rather than later. But I think it's always been the sentiment with uh, Nick Sandlin since he was drafted, uh, just because of how he pitches, you know, I, I don't want to use the term novelty arm because I feel like that's kind of uh, denigrating in some way of his of his abilities. But, you know, he does have that unique sidearm delivery that has proven to be very effective and very deceptive at every level he has pitched at so far. And, you know, based on that, I know Jeff Ellis, our resident IBI uh, draft analyst, had predicted that Sandlin was probably going to be fast-tracked th- through the minor leagues just based on how he throws and how he was going to mow down the competition just about every level. And, you know, he could probably go up to Cleveland right now and be be effective with that arm slot. But what I look at with Sandlin, though, beyond, you know, his funky delivery and his ability to create deception that way, is how he not only is has that novelty arm uh, angle element to his game, but he's also very effective, a very effective pitcher, too. I mean, he's a guy who could be a late-inning, uh, seventh, maybe even eighth-inning guy uh, with his, looking at his splits right now, I mean, he had, he's pretty effective against both lefties and righties. As a matter of fact, he's, for the most part, he's been more effective against left-handed hitters than right-handed hitters throughout his uh, brief minor league career to date. I mean, last season... Uh, he lefties uh, batted 125 when he was in uh, uh, Lynchburg last year versus, or I'm sorry, righties batted 125 off him versus lefties who didn't have a hit off of him. Um, going back to uh, Lake County and lefties batted only 200 against him, righties batted 261, and then going back to Rookie League, which is a smaller sample size, but... Lefties again didn't have a hit off of him versus righties who had two hits off of him and a combined inning and a third. So it's clear that Sandlin has the ability to get both righties and lefties out, maybe even lefties more so, uh, which is kind of surprising given he's a right hander. But I think that based on his splits and ability to uh, be effective against uh, both lefties and righties, that adds another layer of. You know, this guy could be a late inning, a late inning force for the Indians bullpen. Maybe a a legitimate Joe Smith type of arm, and sliding into the sixth or seventh inning at some point uh, later on, either this season or definitely next season. Because uh, either way, you're going to see Nick Sandlin in Cleveland, and it's just a matter of time. Oh, I mean, if look at his college numbers too, chasing that from last year. Strikeout rate over 12.5, walk rate under 1.5, hit rate under 5. In the conference that he's in, Conference USA, wasn't bad. I mean, that's a pretty decent baseball uh, baseball conference. 10-0, 1.06 ERA, and 15 starts for Southern Miss last year. 144 strikeouts in 102 in the third innings. And I'm just reading stats. 
But the point is, you pile all that stuff you just talked about, Jake, with that, he had a hell of a year last year. And now we're talking about him less than a calendar year after being drafted as a pretty good candidate to get to the Indians sooner rather than later, as early as this season, certainly, if he keeps putting out um, quality quality outings. Now, I don't know if the only thing that he's lacking is volume, because it has been such a short time, and he's only appeared in 26 games, but... Performance-wise, he looks ready. He seems ready. That's a question. I I think he would seem ready, but maybe the the Indians organization just wants him to get more outings, at least at double-A. I don't know if they would be inclined to move him up to Columbus or just move him straight from uh, Akron onto the 40-man roster. So we'll have to see what the Indians do with him. If he keeps putting out outings like we've seen him do, he'll be in Cleveland. Shoot, when? All-star break? If they really need him? I mean, it could be that quick. It could be, uh, but that's if the bullpen situation is much worse than uh, we bargained for. And right now, you know, we we were worried about the bullpen situation in Cleveland being a big weakness for the Tribe in 2019. But so far, you know, other than that one game against the Braves where they choked in the in the ninth inning, they've been pretty good so far, much better than we thought and expected. So uh, I I would expect that with Sandlin. I think the goal right now is to get him some more appearances in Akron because Double A is such a big developmental level for uh, most, if not all, prospects. And you know, last year in five appearances, small sample size, I know, but Salem struggled in Akron, gave up eight hits, five runs, and four and a third innings. Uh, walked one, but still struck out seven. So. I mean, maybe the small sample size comes into play there, but there was something there that, you know, he wasn't, you know, light years ahead of the rest of the competition like he has been. And I think that giving him some more time in double A, at least in the first half, probably before the All-Star break, that's what I think the Indians plan is with uh, Sandlin right now is to make sure he can acclimate to double A, learn how to face more advanced competition, maybe mix in some... uh, some at-bats against uh, big league uh, rehabbing players or former big league players who have been down in their luck and down in double-A again. But uh, either way, Sandlin's going to have a good opportunity to uh, make some adjustments and develop to the point where the Indians probably feel comfortable enough to consider him for a big league bullpen job. And that's what I think we're going to see here in these first uh, several weeks. Oh, yeah, completely. And I wonder if, now that you kind of got me thinking about it, if they'd be inclined to move him up to Columbus to get some of those reps against big leaguers, uh, former big leaguers, uh, rehab guys. I wonder if the Indians organization would be inclined to do that sooner rather than later. But, like you said, get him some more experience in Akron first. He only pitched in five games there last year. And quite honestly, that was kind of his weak point of last year, if there was anything. Uh, you have a five earned runs in a span of four and a third innings. So, Calming that those nerves down a little bit in Double A. He's had a full off season of preparation to get there right now. That uh, that that one game that he's thrown this season ha- was was pretty good. So we'll see what happens with Nick Sandlin. I'm excited to see what he could do this year and see how quickly he progresses up to the Indians. Well, let's move to the opposite side of that reliever spectrum and talk about a guy who is in Columbus right now, working his way back from injury. And I think it was like a pectoral injury or something like that that uh, Tyler Clippard had. 
guy who yeah, signed a minor, straight. Yeah, uh, the guy who came into camp on a minor league deal, and everybody was expecting him to be in the major league bullpen to start the year, probably as the seventh or eighth inning guy. And now uh, he's back rehabbing from that uh, pectoral strain. He's pitching in Columbus. He's yet to allow a hit or a run or a base runner of any kind, as a matter of fact. He's struck out two in two appearances. So two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Uh, I would expect that we might see Clippert in Cleveland at some point soon over the next couple weeks if he continues to pitch well and without any kind of lingering effects from this injury. Uh, What say you? Yeah, they didn't sign him to keep him in Columbus all season. I don't think, especially, you know, last year he didn't have a bad year by any stretch. Uh, he was with the Toronto Blue Jays, 4-3, uh, three, 360, 70 RA in 73 games. Not terrible by any stretch, especially after bouncing around the year before. He finally got to settle somewhere, and Toronto itself wasn't that great of a ball club. But he did find work, and getting a half season's work at the age of 33, he, he, you know, he found ways to do it. Not a terrible year from him last year, and I think that once he's fully healed with his pectoral strain, given especially, and I don't know if this is an, uh, a gut check reaction, gut uh, feeling from what happened in the Atlanta game, but you know I don't know how long Nick Wickren can hold up. I don't know what's going on with uh, Tyler Olson in some regards. You know who's going to be that guy that the Indians push down to bring Tyler Clipper, and is it going to be a position player? Uh, would they be inclined to do something with them? Sure, it would be Mike Freeman, if anybody. So who's to see what the Indians going to do or are going to do with a guy like Tyler Clipper, especially once he's ready to go and he's fully healthy? I certainly wouldn't think they keep him in AAA for an extended period of time other than to get some reps you know, early on in his, his uh, 2019 get going. So him being such an experienced late inning guy, and you'd mentioned his year last year, uh, in addition to that 367 ERA, he saved seven games for the Blue Jays. He had 85 strikeouts in 68 and two-thirds innings. He pitched in 73 games. So this is a guy who not only knows how to work in those late innings, has been there and done that, but he's also a workhorse. And that's something that the Indians need because when – with the departure of guys like Brian Shaw, Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, there's a lot of unproven's in there. You got Brad Hand, you got Oliver Perez, some veteran guys, Dan Otero, but you know, other than that, it's a lot of unknowns. Some talent there. I like guys like Nick Wickgren and uh, maybe John Edwards, uh, Adam Simber, but on those guys are still largely unproven. So getting another season and experienced and proven veteran late inning option in there I think is inevitable and I think the Indians plan from the get-go when they signed Clipper was to have him in Cleveland barring any injuries to start the year but of course that the injury did happen and now he's in Columbus trying to work his way back but I fully expect Clipper to be in Cleveland and potentially pitching in the uh, seventh or eighth inning I I expect him to be their eighth inning guy I don't see anything less uh from him as far as his a role goes for him unless he really struggles for the tribe this year I think that he gets called up and Tito puts him right into that eighth inning role behind Brad Hand oh 100 percent and then let him be in the mix with uh Adam Simber if he feels the need to mix it up it's a nice thing about what the Indians have in the back end of that bullpen is they can have right now Hand is the closer no question but if they really need to use him in certain situations in the seventh or eighth Terry Francona would feel inclined to do so, and he probably will. 
So what Tyler Clipper does is it gives them what I would call a B closer. It gives them a guy that, you know, whether it is that they use Brad Hand in the seventh or eighth, they could bring in Adam Simber, or excuse me, uh, they could bring in Tyler Clipper. I'm thinking of them together like I always do. Uh, they could bring in Tyler Clipper to close a game out if they have to, is my, what I was trying to say. So he's another utility tool that they need in that bullpen, I feel like. And they're an interesting mix, the Indians' bullpen. Some veteran experience, you know, Oliver Perez, uh, Dan Otero, and then some of the younger guys in there like a Nick Wickrand and, uh, to an extent, Handed Simber. So I think he can add to that mix, and uh, he's he's worth the contribution. And he could certainly make really good contributions for the Indians in the uh, mid part of the season here. Absolutely. So uh, keep an eye on Tyler Clippers in those uh, minor league stat lines and box scores as uh, the weeks wear on here early in April. And well, actually, we're getting towards the end of April here, but uh, I would expect that, barring any setbacks, uh, Clippers should be in Cleveland sooner rather than later. So uh, back to the prospect side of things, though. Uh, we mentioned him a little earlier. Juan Hillman is pitching pretty well for the, the Hillcats right now. And, you know, he's a guy who has spent the last couple of years in Lake County and been underwhelming, let's just put it ni- just to put it nicely, and hasn't quite lived up to that uh, top round uh, prospect uh, draft hype. And, you know, he was supposed to be right up there with Tristan McKenzie. If McKenzie was number one, Hillman was supposed to be 1A as far as uh, pitching prospects go when they were drafted. And, you know, McKenzie's in the stratosphere right now, uh, even though he's injured. But uh, Hillman, on the other hand, just getting now getting Lynchburg this year, he's got a career 5.15 ERA. Um so far hasn't quite lived up to that potential, but so far this year in Lynchburg, uh, three starts, he has a 1-2 record, 159 ERA. He has given up 13 runs, but only three of them have been earned, so, you know, take a little bit of some bad luck with defense into account with that. He's given up 19 hits in 17 innings. I mean, you'd like, ideally, to get that number down below that that uh, inning pitch total, but not terrible. Uh He's given up two homers, uh, only five walks, and he's uh, struck out 12. So some decent things from Juan Hillman so far and definitely something to build on moving forward, wouldn't you say? Uh, Definitely, and this is just a part of this Hillcats rotation that is really dangerous right now. Four guys have logged over 17 innings pitched uh, in their first few starts. Hillman and Eli Morgan did it in three starts. And then Justin Garza and Adam Scott did it in four starts. And then John Carlos Mejia has pitched 16 innings. So the starting rotation in Lynchburg has been really good to start the season. Eli Morgan, just a quick footnote on him, a 0.53 ERA in three starts. He's given up one earned run in 17 innings. That's amazing. And then you look at Juan Hillman. We talked about Will Benson earlier in the show about the renaissance that he's starting to undergo. Does this continue with Juan Hillman? We've seen him get fatigued in the past. He had a pretty good start to the season in Mahoney Valley when he was there back uh, a few years ago in 2016. And then he kind of tailed off towards the end of the season, and I believe it was reported at the end of the year after uh, regular season action ended that he was fatigued. So conditioning was huge for him. He's had two seasons now to figure it out in Lake County, 
And while 2017, 2018 were not great seasons by any means, um, a 608 ERA in 2017 and a 518 ERA in 2018, this was it for him. I believe so. I think that's not far-fetched to say that this year was it for him. If he couldn't find a way to turn it around, then he could have been done. He could have been out of the organization. So, so I don't know if he had that mentality that he was lack of better phrasing here, pitching for his life, but one and two records doesn't concern me. When you have a 159 ERA and three starts, you've given up three earned runs in a span of 17 innings. I mean, he's not, he's not letting guys score. He's letting guys on base, which it might be the only concern that I have with him. Hitters are, or batters are hitting 284 off him. Uh, and he has sports a 141 whip right now. That's a little high for my liking and my tasting, but if he is letting base runners on, he's not letting them score. So he's finding ways to get out of damage. He's finding ways to get out of situations that normally, in evidence by the last two years, he would probably fold under. So it's a resilient effort that he's putting together. I don't know how long it does continue, if it, unless it does for the whole season. I'm not saying he's going to have a 150 ERA at the end of the year, but if it's somewhere in that two to three range, then I'd certainly be happy with that. Total, totally agree with you there. I mean... You know, I think it's just about taking those little steps forward with Juan Hillman and trying to find those little victories to build on. And, uh, you know, I think of the old saying of, you know, how, I mean, what do you want to do when you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. And I think that that's what Juan Hillman needs to do right now. I mean, overall, his, his, uh, prospect, uh, prospect outlook is that giant elephant in the room right now but I, I i say if he just keeps taking little bites out of it he's at an age and at a point in his career where he can still salvage it and uh make something out of his uh out of his playing career and still be a, a viable prospect for the indians maybe not you know tristan mckenzie level but he can still uh turn himself into something that the indians could uh deem to be a uh, useful asset uh, moving forward, and you know the the start of the season that he's had so far. I think that's uh, one or two nice uh, bites out of that elephant, and I think that you know he's while the ratios are not perfect, are not exactly where we want them based on where he has been. I think that it's a good start, and like you said, it, now it's just. You know what's the next bite going to be? Is it going to be uh, trying to make those adjustments and limit when you know maybe the defense doesn't come up with uh, the plays that you, they need to? Are you going to let it uh, get to you and lead to uh, a cavalcade of run scoring? Or are you going to be able to barrel down and pick up your defense when you need to? Um, are you going to be able to work on your routine so that you are fresh and? and ready to go each time out in the mound, even when it comes down to July and August, the dog days of summer. So, you know, it's focusing on what's next in the most immediate task, I think, is where Juan Hillman needs to be right now. And right now, the getting getting off to a decent start and having a good feeling about where you are is definitely a good way to uh, jumpstart his efforts on that front and with him being in Lynchburg for the first time after being in Lake County for two straight seasons, I I imagine he's probably feeling pretty good about himself right now. 
sometimes you have to take things with a grain of salt in the Carolina League, I feel like, because you do face eight teams, or there are seven other teams, rather, in the league, and it's a smaller league. It's a smaller sample. And uh, when I look at Juan Hillman, the change of scenery could benefit him greatly, and it, it already has, but where does it continue? At what point can he continue it? Are you confident, Jake, that Juan Hillman can continue this effort that he's put out so far? I, I'm not yet sold on it maybe after another start or two because if you look at his last start against Myrtle Beach uh three earned runs in five innings he allowed nine hits and walked three so 12 base runners in a span of five innings the first two outings six innings the first outing six innings six hits one walks four strikeouts no runs the second outing six innings four hits uh one walk six strikeouts no runs so he's a letting base runners on, is my point. His ability to limit damage into uh, exhaust fires, if you will, has been very, very good in these first few outings. But when the chips start to fall and the you-know-what starts to hit the fan, is he going to be there to you know put out that fire again? I'm not sure if he continues it, but that's the thing. I think he needs the, that kind of consistency. And I think he's getting that confidence to have the ability to do it. I... I agree, and like I said, it's all about the, these little victories and, and these little uh, accomplishments and just trying to, to to roll that rock up the hill one little bit at a time. And uh, as long as he stays focused, I think he can do it. It's I'm not, I, I'm not sold on him being uh, on the verge of figuring things out or now he's reinvented himself. He's the legitimate top prospect again. Uh I'm not sold on that quite yet, but uh, I think that there's positives to be taken away from this, and hopefully he's able to uh, take that and roll with it and move move forward with uh, more more strong and concerted efforts to maintain uh, consistency on the mound. So, um, last thing I want to talk about before we get to our uh, player of the week discussion, uh, Nolan Jones. Quietly this year, we haven't talked about him much, but very quietly, very uh, coolly, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely happened. He has been uh, one of the top hitters for the Lynchburg Hillcats so far this season. He has yet to hit a home run, uh, but he has two doubles, three RBIs in 17 games, all the while hitting 317 with a 461 on base. Uh, adding up to in a 350 slugging percentage, adding up to an 811 OPS. Uh, 14 walks versus 16 strikeouts. He's seeing the ball well. He's making contact. Um, as long as he's doing both those things, being the type of player he is, the power will come eventually. It's just a matter of time. As long as he keeps doing the other things consistently, we've seen it. We've seen the power uh, come around last season. 19 home runs, a career high. So, you know, he's almost a month into the season, and he's yet to hit a home run. I'm not too concerned about it because he's doing everything else so well. That's the thing is that any other hitter that starts out hitting 317, we might be like, whoa, who is this guy? Or what? what's changed? Why is he doing this? But we look at this and, oh, it's just Nolan Jones. This is what Nolan Jones does. He, he gets on base. Now, he has 19 hits in 17 games. All but two of those are for extra bases. He has 17 singles in 17 games. 
which means total bases have been low. He only has 21 total bases with 19 hits. So it's a lot of singles. He isn't moving around the base pass quite a bit. Now, he also has two stolen bases added, added on to that. So, you know, you could do the easy math there. Point is, while Jones has been getting base hits, they've been singles, largely. And, you know, you would expect the majority of the base hits to be singles, but not 17 out of 19 for a guy like him. So kind of waiting for the gap power to come wrong if there's anything to nitpick. But 14 walks to 16 strikeouts. He's seeing the ball extremely well. A 461 on base. His career high is 430 back in Mahoning Valley in 2017. His OPS is 811. That's really, really good. Um, He's not grounding out as much. He's not swinging and missing a lot. He's, you know, putting the bat to ball. And so far it's been nothing but what we probably would expect for Nolan Jones, except for the lack of some power. So with a guy like him who is as advanced of a hitter as he is, you look at some of the hitters that the Indians have in the lower levels of the minor leagues, and this is a whole other discussion for another day. The guys with the advanced eyes at the plate, like Nolan Jones, like Tyler Freeman, like Marcos Gonzalez, like Aaron Brocco, like some of the middle infield guys that we talked about, like Brian Rocio and even Reynold Delgado to a degree. He plays great defense, but he also has a good eye at the plate. Look at Nolan Jones. He's probably he probably has the best batter's eye in the entire Indians organization. He just sees the ball so well. He can hit any pitch that's thrown at him. He can hit it to whatever field he wants to hit it at. And if it's a ball, he's probably going to take it. He doesn't swing and miss often, and he doesn't swing often at stuff outside the zone. So having a cerebral guy like this who's just starting out the way that he is, it, I, I mean this, Indians fans, you've got to get excited about Nolan Jones within the next few years because he's going to be the starting third baseman of the Cleveland Indians. You know, I would give it probably two or three years, you know, 2021-ish, but I would start paying attention with what this guy's doing. He's going to be in Cleveland at some point in his career, probably two or three years down the line, but as of right now, he's tearing up the minor leagues. He's a young kid, only 20 years old. Uh, he turns 21 in May, so he's got a lot of great baseball ahead of him. And I, I would put five bucks. I wouldn't put ten, but I put five bucks. Decent little investment if you're looking in relative terms on Nolan Jones being a Cleveland Indian one day. I'm very, very confident in that uh, about him. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's proven that he has the kind of eye at the plate, the consistency factor. Um, the power is going to come around again this year. I, I have no doubts about that. I think that he is, without a doubt, the top prospect in the organization right now. And, you know, we named him the top prospect for the IBI prospect countdown for this year over Tristan McKenzie, which might be a surprise to some. But I think that, you know, McKenzie, as great as he is and as much potential as he has, uh, still a great prospect, number two, and maybe even we could just say one and one A as far as Nolan Jones and Tristan McKenzie go. But uh, I think that what everything with everything that Jones brings to the table, I think that there's no doubt he is the top prospect and the top hitting, at the very least, the top hitting prospect in the organization right now. And you know he's worked on his defense, he's gotten better at playing third base, and you know, his athleticism, his eye at the plate, his speed, it's just all coming together at 
it's just all coming together at the perfect time, and it's just going to be fun to watch over the next couple of years, him working his way up the minor league ladder. And it, as you said, it won't be long before we start talking about him in terms of uh, getting that eventual call up to Cleveland. And, you know, what's the future going to hold in store? And maybe in the post-Jason Kipnis era, see like a guy like Jose Ramirez move to second base with Nolan Jones being the future third baseman. But uh, there's some exciting times ahead for... Uh, Jones being a cornerstone piece in this lineup, alongside the likes of Jason Kip, or alongside the likes of uh, Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. I mean that infield, and then if you round out the infield with a guy like Bobby Bradley, I mean r- from all all around the horn, that's uh, some pretty high upside talent right there. And uh, I think that the future is in pretty good hands when you look at it from that sense. Oh, without without a question. Ever since he set foot on a minor league baseball with the Cleveland Indians affiliated ball club, he's done nothing but produce, and he's living up to the draft stock that he had as a 2016 second round pick. You know, trace all of his numbers back, trace all the data back. Last year he hit 283, and that was like, you know, okay, he's coming back down to earth after a really hot 2017 where he hit 317 in Mahoning Valley. You know, 2016 Arizona League, that's him getting his feet wet. That's fine. 257, you know, 388 on base. That's fine. But he's just starting to make those little baby steps in the batter's box. And that's the other big thing is his defense. His defense really did struggle over the last couple of seasons, and he's starting to pick that up a little bit. So I think the Indians, while they're waiting for him to just age organically and to gain more experience organically as a baseball player throughout their system, they're also waiting for his defense to come around a bit. So if there's one thing that his game is lacking, and I use lacking as a as a, as a real light term and a loose term here, it's his defense. So, yeah, Jose Ramirez sliding to second base and having an infield of Nolan Jones, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and potentially Bobby Bradley or Jake Bowers – if you want to put him at first base, uh, you know, in a couple of years, sign me up for that any day. Absolutely. So uh, we'll keep an eye on Nolan Jones, and when the power comes around and he starts to make more headlines, uh, you'll be sure to hear it from us here. But um, we're telling you now though, that Nolan Jones is still around and alive and well and doing great things in Lynchburg right now. So um, it's going to be fun to watch uh, him spend probably the at least the first half of the year in Lynchburg and then potentially make his move up to Akron later in the year back up to northeast Ohio. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun uh summer as far as that's concerned as long as he stays healthy to see him and what he does here in 2019 and what should be a, a really big developmental year for him. So um let's move on now to the Farm Report player of the week for this weekend before we unveil this week's uh, award winner, which shouldn't come as much of a surprise to anyone. Let's review last week's picks for the two of us. And both of us, I think Mother Nature intervened in, in some of these uh, in some of these games for these players. You know, we had some rainouts uh, all throughout the system, especially up here in Northeast Ohio. But uh, let's start with me and Mitch Longo, who in Akron was hitting the ball well, but over the last week just hasn't uh, done so, kind of cooled off at the plate. Four games, 
He only has two hits and 14 at-bats, batting a buck 43. He does have two triples uh, in those two hits and two RBIs. He's walked four times and struck out six, so he's got a decent uh, he's got a decent uh, on-base percentage and still showing a decent eye at the plate. 762 OPS. You know, not good, but he's making the most of when he does get those hits and still getting on base. Uh, for you, Corey, Bo Naylor just... Uh, in a little bit of a funk right now. You know, 200 uh, average, only had two hits and 10 at-bats in three games. Uh, he did have a triple, no runs batted in, no runs scored, uh, a walk and six strikeouts, a 673 OPS. So uh, n- nothing doing much for either one of us this week, but I think that I might have edged you out with that Mitch Longo pick. Yeah, not much happening for either of us. I thought Bo Naylor would find a way to turn some of his uh, slump-ish ways around this week, but evidently so, no. So, yeah, it's pretty obvious who the player of the week is, however. Yes, and it goes none other other to... I'm sorry. It goes to none other than Mr. Four Home Runs himself, Will Benson. I mean, how could you not have... go to him this week. I mean, outside of the four home run game, he did hit the ball well. Uh, Seven hits and 15 at-bats, so he had uh, three additional hits this past week besides those four home runs. But of course, he had the four home runs. He drove in 10. He had a walk and seven strikeouts. He stole a base, scored five runs, good for a 467 average, and a OPS of over 1,000. So, Will Benson, congrats on player of the week and well-deserved. Yeah, I mean, anytime you do something for the first time in five years throughout the entirely of my, entirety of minor league baseball, you not only got to get recognition from us, but also from, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, big networks, MLB Network, ESPN, uh, Internet, Twitter, that whole thing. Everybody's picked up on the fact that Will Benson did this. A, a hell of an accolade, a hell of a game, and uh, it's the – part of the hot start that Will Benson has put together to start the season. And as we talked about earlier, uh, you know, just see how he can continue it and what kind of level of consistency does he uh, put out and what does those inflated numbers like the batting average on balls in play, where do those eventually dip down to? I'm excited for him, and I'm glad that he, that he had this kind of a game, and hopefully it's a big confidence boost for him. Absolutely. So uh... – Without further ado, let's get into uh, our picks for next week, Corey. Hopefully we can uh, pick a winner this time and see if we can uh, get on somebody who's going to be red hot at the plate or on the mound heading into the next week. Uh, I'll go ahead and and do the honors first since I uh, took the the win this week, which now we're tied Mm 3-3 on the season, so we'll be keeping track of that as the year goes on. Hopefully... um, it's going to be a heated race to the down to the wire, but I'm going to go back to a guy who I had picked, I think earlier in the year, uh, right around when the season started and he didn't do me so well then, but I think that he could now because he's hitting the ball very well in Akron right now. I'm talking about Daniel Johnson, who as of right now has four multi-hit games in his last six, uh, appearances with Akron and he had a uh, a five game hit streak snapped uh back on back on Saturday so I imagine 
him being able to get out there and continue to where he left off this pet this week with uh his hitting and his hot hitting ways because as I've said before, I, I'm a big believer in Daniel Johnson being a, a big-time piece for the Indians moving forward. And, you know, he's had some experience in double-A already. And I think that he's proven that once he gets gets uh, going at the plate, it's hard to slow him down. So I'm going to go with Daniel Johnson this week for my pick and see if he can continue to uh, hit the ball as well as he has. As for me, Oscar Gonzalez has hit safely in 15 of 16 games so far this year, he's had hit streaks of eight games and seven games. And in that recent seven-game hitting streak, he has had three multi-hit games, including his most recent one on Sunday, which was a three-for-four showing where he scored two runs and he hit a triple. So I will take the red hot right now, hitting 377 with a 386 on base. He's had, he has drawn no walks this year. 377 in his first uh, 16 games, hit safely in 15 of his last 16. I'll take Oscar Gonzalez this week, and I hope I don't jinx it. It's so interesting with Oscar Gonzalez because you think a guy who rarely draws any walks like the way he does, you would think, okay, this is a guy who eventually is going to see that uh, come back to haunt him. And, you know, it probably still will. He's still in the A-ball levels and – uh, has yet to really see some real challenges like he will eventually when he gets up to like Akron and maybe even Columbus. But this guy just knows how to put the bat on the ball. And, you know, we keep saying that when he goes cold, it's going to be really cold because he doesn't draw any walks. But he doesn't go cold very often. Oh, absolutely not. And that's evidently so to start out this year. And even looking at last year in Lake County, yeah, not the highest on base percentage. He only drew 12 walks in 114 games, but he still hit 292. And, uh, you know, he's shown the ability to hit anywhere you want him to hit. Top of the lineup particularly. I think he's a really good number two hitter. Just a guy that, yeah, sometimes he does freely swing and sometimes it is all or nothing. But other times he shows the ability to make contact and he does a pretty good job of it. So, yeah, I I think that he, if he can learn to draw some walks, then this could be a real dangerous threat as a prospect and still at only 21 years old. Right, so that's a good pick. He's kind of fallen under the radar, too, of how well he's been hitting the ball. I think that the no walks has uh, maybe scared some people off as far as looking at his numbers, but uh, he has been hitting the ball. You can't deny that and doing it very well so far this year. So we got our picks locked in. I, two outfielders, I got Daniel Johnson. You got Oscar Gonzalez. So uh, some great stuff here. Uh, Corey, before we uh, close up shop here, uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening and be sure to let them know to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Corey's at CD Christen. And you could chat at us on Twitter. Uh, any kind of prospect questions you have, uh, we'll be sure to answer them to the best of our knowledge. And, you know, even if you just want to talk prospects and, and, and pick our brains a little bit, we're always willing to we're always willing to uh, chat prospects, talk baseball whenever. So be sure to hit us up there. Um, Corey, uh, anything you want to plug here, uh, either on the site or whatever you're doing right now? Yeah, real quick, we're starting a uh, new baseball talk show, we being me and Mark Means, he's uh he's the sports director at WBBW AM Sports Radio 1240 in Youngstown. Uh, we're starting a new show on it's Western Reserve Radio. It's a branch of SB Nation Radio. It's called the Bullpen. 
It's going to be a weekly talk show just breaking down the Cleveland Indians and the Pittsburgh Pirates and their minor league affiliates. It's an hour-long talk radio show. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. Search Western Reserve Radio. So we're starting that project. This podcast drops on Tuesday. We're starting the show today as this podcast drops. So if you could tune in uh, 6 to 7 p.m. on Western Reserve Radio on the TuneIn Radio app. It's SB Nation Radio. Really would appreciate that. We're trying to get this project going, and we're, do- we're going to do a pretty decent job of making this a talk show for baseball people. It's going to be a talk show that has stats like BABIP and WAR and ISO and, you know, you name it, UZR and all kinds of other analytic uh, driven driven nuggets about not just the Cleveland Indians and Pittsburgh Pirates, like I said, but also their minor league affiliates. So hope you can join us along and I'll be tweeting out links and where to listen. So you got to make sure to follow me on Twitter to find all of that, too. Sounds great. So, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm going to give that a listen to myself when I have time to do so. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, as for me, uh, when you listen to this, probably shortly after this podcast drops, we'll be seeing the uh, weekly Rubber Ducks Notebook. I'll be taking that uh, this week and probably talking just a little bit about James Karinchak. I'm not sure yet. Maybe. I throw a line or two in there about him. Maybe just just a little bit, a couple sentences. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's off to such a great start this year and deserves a little bit of love in this in this week's notebook, I think. So check that out for uh, some Karen Chack talk and other Rubber Ducks highlights from the past week. And uh, the Four Thoughts column will be back again this week. Uh, I think we figured it out. The timing that works with my schedule. We'll be posting on Fridays during the week uh check out last week's edition where i talked about uh will benson and james karinchak and uh giancarlo mejia and stephen kwan uh so much prospect storylines talk and some analytics to uh delve into there check that out when you get a chance and be on the lookout for uh my column uh each friday where i talk long form about some of the uh uh, pros- top prospect storylines from the past week and performances. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, uh, follow the uh, show on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI and be sure to follow the uh, official IBI account at official underscore IBI. All the story links, retweets, uh, breaking news. You can get all that there in one central place and so if you fall behind on the stories and breaking news and whatnot you can always catch up there but uh final thoughts Corey, what do you have don't be spooked by this atlanta series please it was one bad game by the bullpen josh donaldson had a hot game had a hot day really um i if you're an indians fan calm down about the atlanta thing they'll be okay let him get lindor back and acclimated he's homered in the past what three or four games counting what he did in Columbus or is it the past three in a row? I'm not, I forget exactly what it was. Yeah. I think uh, it, uh, it's three or four, I think. Yeah. There was so, a doubleheader mixed in there in Columbus. Yeah. So Lindor is swinging the bat well already. Uh, they're get, just getting Kipnis back in his first week. You know, Tyler Clippard's going to join the Indians bullpen sooner rather than later. This team is far from anything that's going to be what we see in August, September, October. So, cool the Jets, calm down. I know the Braves are a really good team, too. So, if there was a bad time for the bullpen to have a slip-up, it was this one, and it just happened to happen uh, this weekend. So, 
let things kind of materialize here with the Indians. There's still a long way to go with this season. Totally agree. And on a similar note, my final thought is going to be about uh, if you're a little nervous about the bullpen in the future that uh, might be in store for the relief staff in Cleveland, uh, I say get down to Akron and check out uh, what's in that uh, bullpen for the Rubber Ducks right now. I mean, now that they got Nick Sandlin back, they're even more potent. But even before he arrived uh, in Akron, I mean, we were looking at guys like Dalbert Siri, Ben Krauth, even Argena Sangulo, along with, of course, James Karinchak and now Nick Sandlin. There are some uh, bona fide relief relievers down there. And as you mentioned, once you get to the seventh inning, heck, even if you get to the sixth inning and you have a lead, you might as well just uh, pack it in because – uh, Rubber Ducks and uh, Ruglis Odor have some arms to throw at you, and it's pretty much game over. Uh, hope, hopefully by the 6th or 7th inning, hopefully they start scoring some runs and they're able to start winning some games in that fashion. But, yeah, there's uh, the future looks bright for the bullpen right now if you get down to Akron to see how they're, how they're pitching right now in the late innings. So uh, uh, put your mind at ease by going to a Rubber Ducks game and seeing some of these relievers because they got some talent there. Yeah, I echo that, too, if you're looking at Columbus, too, with guys like Henry Martinez, who may have missed the cut to start the year off with the Indians. You know, this bullpen is still a work in progress, and whether it is Henry Martinez or Karachak or Siri or Sandlin, if you're worried about kind of the bounce off of my final thought, if you're worried about the Indians' bullpen, because of what happened in Atlanta, or in spite of what happened because, or not in Atlanta, but against Atlanta, because of, or in spite of what happened against Atlanta. Don't worry, there's help on the way, whether it's from a trade, whether it's the minor leagues in AAA, or one of these relievers in AA. Help is going to be on the way later on this year. Absolutely. So, uh, good way to wrap up the show, and uh, a great show today overall, talking about Benson, Sandlin, uh, Juan Hillman, Nolan Jones, some great ground cover today, Corey. Uh, glad, always fun to talk prospects, and uh, great to be in the, well into the season now, and we can start seeing those sample sizes expand, and we can see, you know, what starts, uh, either hot starts or not starts, are for real, and what aren't, and we can start finally starting to delve into those stats a little bit more and stop. Uh, grazing over the surface of them just because of their, it's a small sample size and we can't take too much from them. So I'm looking forward to getting more analytical as the weeks go on here with some of these numbers and uh, paying attention to some of these uh, some of these uh, game reports and, su- and such and getting out onto the games, some, some of them myself, of course, and seeing these guys for myself. And it's going to be really fun to see how this all... Uh, pans out for so many top prospects as the year goes on. But so stay tuned for that as the weeks go on here. We get into May pretty soon. Before you know it, it'll be June. We'll be closing in on the All-Star break. It's The season's just going to get chugging along here, and we're really going to start to go into hyperdrive as far as uh, the games go. So looking forward to that. Corey, great show today. Um, and always remember, people, until next time, for Corey Christen. And this Farm Report Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. 
Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.